Welcome to the You Can Lead podcast. I'm Nora Fizan and today I'm with the inspiring Anwar Mohammed, the founder of Scott Brunei, the award-winning NGO behind pioneering projects such as Green Exchange, Social Kitchen and Scott Education. If you've ever wondered what part you might play in making the world a more equitable place, our guest today will show you how. Welcome Anwar to the show. How are you today? Good. Thank you very much. Like thank you for having me. It's so great to have you here. You're known as the founder of Scott, probably one of the best NGOs we have in Brunei, and I love your work. However, we don't really know much about your story. So, do you mind if we go back to the beginning as to how Scott was founded? That was a long time ago, but <laughs> when you were still young. <laughs> when I was still young, when You're everyone still was still though. young. Yeah. But yeah, sure. So, it was during my UBD years. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it was probably my third year or my final year mm. I can't remember it was a long time ago so <laughs> we were doing this course and it's called the economy of brunei mm-hmm. and we were given specific topics but my team decided to like be bold and be adventurous mm. um, in a way and be independent of a topic so we decided why not look at poverty and i think when we were talking about maybe 10 years ago yeah has been that long. So 10 years ago poverty was still a taboo issue. Mm. So nobody even discussed about poverty. Nobody even like mm. there's no poverty in Brunei. Mm. But we took that step. We made a research to find the causes of poverty in Brunei. Mm. And we went around to interview about 100 families. Wow. Of I think those are like welfare recipients and mm. we tried to um, understand their story. Mm. So we found out that there are people who need help and these are not just help in terms of giving handouts but these are people that you know that need help in terms of education or providing skills let it be in agriculture like they have a piece of land but they don't know what to do with that land mm. so it can be something that can be turned as an income for them so those are the things that we found out so basically we submitted the research and probably a year later uh, yeah. when everyone was free yeah. um out from the degree and we decided like this is after you graduated yeah after after we yeah. graduated it was just so random like remember that um paper that we did i think we found the causes of poverty why not like take an action about it create some projects mm-hmm. um out of it and so it was just a group of friends with different backgrounds then there's engineers there's lawyers as well there's doctors and so it created this group of friends with different kind of analytical skills so like i'm a trained economist so my i don't know i always think about how to make money mm. but uh, if you have a engineer it will be more critical you know you think about the micro stuff like how does this work yeah those things like probably i don't even want to consider mm. but if you put everyone together it has allowed us to be creative mm. you know you don't just end up with a project that gives <clears throat> handouts but at the end of the day you created a project that is beyond your imagination that it can actually help people like a sustainable yeah project. like a sustainable so we decided that one of our visits we went to the water village mm-hmm. so we saw from our research like from walking there um around the water village there's a lot of trash back then mm-hmm. so we decided that 
you know, these trash has value if you discard them properly, yeah. like if you recycle it. Mm. And then it was at that point as well, like recycling was never heard of. Mm. Um, so let alone you want them to actually collect all these things and like they do something think, about it. They probably but, you were yeah. mad at that time. Yeah, what are you doing? Like collecting rubbish, <laughs> yeah. you know, those kind of things. But wow. And then we created this project called the Green Exchange. Wow. So it actually, it's focused on changing the mindset but mm-hmm. we have to be creative because you have to incentivize them mm-hmm. to actually do something so in this case we wanted them to actually collect all the um, valuable trash you have down the river like aluminum cans or even to an extent a fridge a tv <laughs> that wow. they just throw it down there because it has a value yeah so we ask them like to collect all these things and we will reward you mm-hmm. we understand that if we change it with monetary value, um, it's very insignificant that you wouldn't even get up and collect it because probably mm. it's just going to cost you 10 cents or 20 cents. <laughs> so it's not pulling you good enough. Yeah. So we had to design this um, mechanism that what would make them get up and collect all those things. Mm, like a, like the right kind of incentive, right? Yeah. What do they want? You know, like... So we tried a couple of things like offering them basic necessities and everything. And we found out that rice is the number one choice. Wow. So so we created that program then. Um, you collect up to $1 worth of recyclables. So mm-hmm. you measure like aluminum cans. It can be like maybe 50 cents a kilo. So mm-hmm. you need two kilos of it. So every $1 you uh, bring to us you'll get 1.5 kilos of rice wow so they're incentivized yeah. and we were surprised like i think we only expected probably 10 kilos you know from the entire <laughs> village kilos, wow. like of 500 people wow. but i think we managed to get about 200 kilos wow and it was quite amazing i mean that's like 20 wow. times what you thought yeah. right you were gonna get so i think also we we didn't have an expectation so mm. that was a good thing like imagine if we like try to target a thousand kilos you end up with 200 kilos you'll be I start don't know, small you, yeah start small start with zero right? yeah you'll like, be so disappointed yeah. otherwise but then you know green exchange moved on for about 10 editions yeah wow so we moved from one water village to another water village so this Amazing. is about changing the mindset yeah you know and then we were amazed that at one point you can even collect 5,000 kilos at one event. Wow. So it has really pulled them. So sometimes when we visit those places again, you see they are like backyard is filled with plastic bottles mm-hmm. ready for green exchange to come in. It doesn't just happen, you know, like I tell you, like their backyard is filled with plastic bottles. Mm. It just don't happen overnight, mm. but probably two or three years. Yeah, those are like the positive changes that we see. That's amazing. And then how did it become Scott from that project? So we needed a formal entity, <laughs> basically. Like uh, things are moving so fast for us, like from uh, wanting to do a simple project. Yeah. But then, you know, things have to be formalized. You know, mm-hmm. there's procedures. There's, mm-hmm. especially when you're an NGO unit funding. Yeah. So no person in their right mind would want to transfer money or sponsor you, you know, like if it's a project under your name. <laughs> so you, you have to show that you're serious. So that's when you realize I need to formalize this. Yeah. And I need to create this into like a real entity. Yeah. That's how Scott was born. That's, that's how Scott was born. Wow. But it wasn't an easy process. Like, 
getting your first funding was always the challenging one, but uh-huh. um, we managed to break through. But uh-huh. what's interesting is, you know, back then we didn't get support that easy. Mm. Not like From as easy as today. Yeah. Like uh, because Scott is already established in a way. There's track records. You yeah. know. They know you already. Yeah. You have a reputation, credibility. So at that time, I remember you telling me the story of how initially in the past it was very hard for you to get sponsors, sponsors. right? Yeah. And then you said you guys were rejected so many times. Very. <laughs> Door slammed <laughs> in your face. Like go home. I think you have to be like. Resilient in a way, like yeah. don't give up. Because to be honest, like you're nobody, um, in yeah. the first place, and you want corporates to fund you. Like mm. I mean, no corporate in their serious mind would actually entertain you that way. Yeah. So sometimes you're not up to their level. Yeah. And you have to make it work to mm. their level. So you learn from them. So what did so, you do? So we actually went up with a proposal of that green exchange, the one that we talked about mm-hmm. early on. It was a totally new concept. Like it hasn't been done in Brunei. No mm. corporate has ever heard of it, yeah. and you want money from it, and it's <laughs> it's such a big risk. I know. So what if it fails? You know mm. all those things. Mm. But we went there the first time, and we were rejected. Of course, we know we were rejected. Yeah, rejected yeah. because we're new. So mm. we just asked them like, so what do you want for you to accept this uh, our proposal? And then they asked us to make some changes, you know, according to them. And then we went back to them. And then they got re- rejected us again. Yeah. So I mean, it can be quite frustrating, you know, mm. like we've done so much, but you you're still rejecting us. So what do you actually want from us? Yeah. Like to actually convince you. So it all it went all the way until probably five times. Wow! So, so every time you were rejected, you learned from that mistake, yeah, yeah. right? And then when you see back the first proposal that you sent, mm-hmm. and up to the fifth one, that's a whole lot of changes. Yeah, like become stronger improve. and stronger. Yeah. it's like a you know AI. Like, yeah, you know, definitely. 1.0, 2.0, 3.0, yeah. and finally they're like, "Wow, you're not invincible. I can't say no now." Yeah, as we're talking about rejections or facing challenges along the way as an NGO, right? Um, especially in the early stages, how did you guys have that mindset to want to get back up again? Okay, I think as an individual, um, I was lucky enough to have a mentor that really, 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 really um, <laughs> toughened me up in yeah. a way, like to see success. Uh-huh as something that is not easy. Uh-huh. So the way I was mentored was, it was, I can say it was a bit brutal, but, you know, tough love. He wants success. Yeah. Uh, he knows that you have the potential. And through his mentorship, if he sees you drown in the ocean, that he, he still won't pick you up. Yeah. Um, because he knows that you can... You can swim. You can swim, no matter how difficult it yeah. is. Like... You, you still can swim, no matter what. <laughs> so I think those are the things that has helped me um, in terms of... Being resilient. Being resilient, yeah. Being able to get back up again. Not stopping and yeah. always constantly seeing a challenge mm-hmm. as an opportunity. Mm. So because if someone were to spoon feed you just like that, mm-hmm. um, I don't know, you, you just expect things to go your way. Yeah. But things don't go your way all the time. Yeah. So you have to be creative. Learn. Learn. Adapt. Uh, I think yeah. the most important thing is you're willing to learn. Yeah. Because if you think that whatever you do is amazing... You're not going to grow, right? Never going to grow. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So you're just going to be there and 
see others grow but not you yeah yeah i remember you telling me about your mentor and i just thought wow like and you telling me that your mentor was the person who really shaped you into the person that you are so to speak you know that resilience yeah. that ability to adapt yeah and you know to be strong enough to get back up again and then you said he's the kind of guy who he wouldn't help you in front of you but yeah. actually from behind he's yeah. like okay maybe maybe you guys should like look look after this guy <laughs> maybe yeah very help. much because um He doesn't Although, want to show you like, yeah. that he's pulling you. Yeah. You know. But he's like opening up the channels. The channels. Yeah, that for, you need, right? Without without me realizing, yeah, you know, he just open up that channel, yeah, but it's up valuable. to you on how you want to utilize that hmm. or if you even see it. How did he him. how did he end up being your mentor? That was a good question. I mean, things just happened so random back then. Everything was going on so fast and then he's being picked up by certain people and then he likes the idea probably. So he liked the idea of your project, the Green Exchange, was it? Maybe not just the Paper. Green Exchange, but um the whole idea of coming up with something so innovative and mm-hmm. not not pervasive at all to the people that we're helping. Mm. It's like trying to change their mindset. Mm. Um, it's something new. Yeah. Um, and you're daring enough to venture into this poverty business when yeah. uh, nobody talks about poverty. So, yeah. those are I think those are the things that um, they made him probably. Yeah. I'm just assuming. Want to guide you. <laughs> But, yeah. Because you know, often young people ask this question. They say, "How do you ask someone to become a mentor?" But for you, it wasn't that you asked him, right? He mm-hmm. just. Just circumstances happen. Yeah. Do you think that's about right? Yeah. I never, I never sought for a mentor. Yeah. Like it just happened to be he keeps on guiding me, you know, guiding wow. me continuously. So, yeah. yeah, by default, then. Yeah. It just happened. So, I don't know if appointing someone as a mentor is the right way, mm-hmm. because probably like the mentor wouldn't know what you're doing or is not an expert in that kind of. You field. think it's an, a more organic relationship. It should be. Yeah. Because. A mentor should open up um, channels for you, should pave the road for you, but mm-hmm. it's up to you on how you want to utilize that. Mm-hmm. It's not about telling you you should do this mm-hmm. and do that. This is more about opening up opportunities mm-hmm. for you. I see mentorship as that way. So that's how like we train people in Scott as well, the wow. members. So yeah. it's not a- about the one one-on-one mentorship. Mm-hmm. There's a platform for you already uh, within wow. Scott, yeah, and it's up to you on how you want to utilize it, especially those who are in the um, leadership positions within mm-hmm. Scott, um, because right now I would say that the network is so huge within mm-hmm. Scott. Like you've been working with so many corporates, so mm-hmm. the opportunity is there. It's up to you for you to grab and you know grab the attention mm-hmm. once again. Because I think the problem nowadays is that a lot of young people who want to seek specific mentors, they think all they need to do is just to go, "Hey, can you be my mentor?" I don't do that. Yeah, yeah. we don't. Yeah, exactly. That's the point. Like yeah. you know, whereas your relationship was more organic. What is the best way for a mentee to approach someone that they would like to, hopefully, become a mentor for them? I think, understand what your potential mentor does mm-hmm. do a lot of research on that person and yeah. what kind of industry is that person engaged in and then if it fits what you aim to do 
um, then possibly it can be a good match. But mm-hmm. bear in mind that all these mentors are super occupied with whatever they're doing at mm-hmm. the moment. So they can't give you 100% of their attention all the time. You have to learn on your own mm-hmm. at the end of the day. So you cannot just rely on your mentor to actually um, make decisions, decisions for, you, for yeah. you. Because they're just there to advise you, to guide you, and to open up opportunities for you. It's up to you on how you want to use it, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So it shouldn't be... It shouldn't be a just a one way. Um, so it's more two ways, right? It's so more two ways. What you can offer and yeah, what, what you can offer. Yeah, I don't just have one mentor. Yeah, but this another mentor was a bit of a contrast from the from, from the first from one. the first mm-hmm. one. So basically, um, back then, probably a decade ago as well, conferences, you know, those things are a bit new and you know traveling abroad and it's not easy for you to get funds yeah and you're still a student like how are you gonna get a lot of money to travel all the way to u.s or you know japan like it's so expensive you're not talking about like malaysia or something that you can travel to at a cheaper rate Mm -hmm. so i kept on going to this uh, particular conference um it was always sponsored and then this one year um no sponsorship so I went back to the person because uh, that person is also involved um, as an official for those kind of events. Oh, wow. So I said, <clears throat> I'm not going to go this year because uh, there's no sponsor. Um, then he said, look, give me the ticket price and everything. You'll go. Wow. So all you have to do is just give me the price and That's you so have nice. to go. So this, guy, this particular mentor values... Um, you only learn things when you go out there. And he believes that if I don't go for another year, I'll miss out on something. So, I don't know. He he probably sees, probably it's from his experience as well. Like, he learned a lot of things outside. Mm. And it's, the, it's one of the best ways for you to actually bring in ideas. Mm. Because, to be honest, like, ideas in Scott, it's mostly generated from networks that when I went abroad... I talked to this person and, oh, you're doing a great project and how can I bring it, you know, back to the country? So it's all those kind of small talks which yeah. um, actually is beneficial. Yeah, the network, when you, right? yeah, the that network you meet effect. and how much you learn from yeah. them, all these people who are so much more experienced yeah. than us outside. So right? all these, like, mentors have different... Different qualities. Different qualities and it's probably based on the experience as well I, yeah. I would I would say but I don't have the details on mm. that because I never ask <laughs> it's my mistake <laughs> like, but you know what I think it's true like you do need like a selection of mentors yeah, not just one not just definitely. one because it's, it's like a Rubik's Cube right yeah. you know you need different sides of this because if I cube. you know just being thrown in the ocean kind of mentor <laughs> and then I don't have that kind of mentor who believes like if you travel abroad you talk to these people supportive you, huh? supportive, supportive in a way quite warm yeah then yeah let's go to the future now where i know currently you just finished your masters in the uk at the london school of economics yeah um a four month stint a four for month. a masters really four months <laughs> thanks so- to covid yeah. <laughs> In Social Innovation and Entrepreneurship Under Achieving Scholarship. So tell us, what was the highlight of that course? It's more than one highlight. (laughs) So it was just, let me just go back to this um, LSC um, Mm. stint. 
it was just so random believe it or not yeah. um i didn't expect i was going to uh get the shivering scholarship mm. so i just applied to random university as a as a criteria when you apply yeah. so then i got the scholarship so i was in trouble immediately took my laptop um open google <laughs> just type in ngo social enterprise university london <laughs> so lse popped up as the first one and yeah. it was just one week yeah. before the closing because the scholarship results was quite late mm. and um uni application was closing so i said let's just try this if this works i'm just going to get this <laughs> otherwise it will be in some random public policy yeah. course otherwise like, i would regret it until today yeah. <laughs> so i did my application and the application process was quite different mm. i when i saw it like there's a lot of criteria like you have to have experience in running social enterprises mm. or ngos and you have to tell a story like mm. how is this relevant to um your experience mm. so it is a tailored um kind nice, of course yeah. that focuses on people with those kind of background so i say if i do get in this will be a great opportunity because i'm going to meet people who probably have done better than me mm. in doing community projects out there mm. so fast forward i got it So mm. I was so thankful and I'm at LSE because it was such a last minute trip I didn't get to read um what the content was you know <laughs> but it just sounds so interesting you like didn't even know. social innovation and entrepreneurship I so I love this story okay like it sounds interesting but it's a good surprise mm. um there's a trip to Kenya <laughs> as part of the course that was so, so cool when I saw that on your social media yeah. was really so I only knew about wow. Kenya like during the in I missed the induction mm. uh, of this course because I came in late, mm. a week late, but I found out like because they were asking, so when do you want to travel? I said, is this optional or is this like something that you must go? They said, well, it's part of the course. I mean, it's all paid for already. Yeah. So all you have to do is just sign up where you want to go, Kenya or South Africa. Mm. And you want to go either in November or in February. Wow. I said, oh wow, how cool is this? Like, yeah. <laughs> what an option. Yeah, what an option like <laughs> You don't even have to like fight for a seat. Yeah. Like you just choose. Yeah. How easy is that? That's so cool. So I chose Kenya. Mhm. So I think that was one of the highlight as well. Mm. Like cuz this course is about social innovation mm-hmm. as well as entrepreneurship for the underprivileged. Yeah. So when we go to these kind of cities we're supposed to make a research that can create a business model. Mhm. So we try to see what they're lacking. Mm-hmm. and we try to develop a business model out of it that that they can run and they can help themselves so we were assigned to go to the slums of Kenya wow. so it was things you see out of the movies it's real wow. like it was just you know the smell mm-hmm. um the kind of heat that that is there and the kind of life mm-hmm. Um it's just so basic. You live by the dollar. Like if you don't have a dollar today then you don't have. Wow. But if you have a dollar then you can like buy food. So sometimes the children um there's a lot of malnutrition um that's yeah. happening. It's because like there's no money to buy food. So when we were there we were very 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 humble um yeah. to see, you know, 
like what life has yeah, such dire circumstances yeah we're doing like a master's mm-hmm. course at LSE and these people don't even go to school mm-hmm. when they actually want to go to school oh. and there's um, 500,000 of them wow. living in slums and these slums are like apparently like it's such an informal housing mm. that you know no government will actually want to build pipelines or proper water system because mm. it's an informal they have no obligation to do it mm-hmm. so it's up to them so this is where the entrepreneurial mindset comes in like how do you bring water how do you create a proper sewage system mm-hmm. how do you bring in food affordable food mm-hmm. because we understand there's this term called the poverty penalty mm-hmm. like because you're poor you charge more and it happens there Because you cannot afford to buy a sack of rice, which costs, like, in in Brunei, it's about Mm $11.50. You only have $1. So what these big people will do is they buy the sack of rice, they ration it, Mm -hmm. and they sell it for a dollar. Probably it's just maybe 250 grams. So you can imagine, like, how much they're making out of those kind of things. Because you only have a dollar, so you just buy it. That's That's the only thing you have. And then it happens to be that some U.S. researcher that came to Kenya as well who were doing some sort of uh, fortified supplement. Mm-hmm. And all you have to do is like mix it with the flour. Yeah. And you have a nutritionist flour. Oh, and wow. it just so happens so randomly. And we were trying to work out on how to make that flour nutritious. <laughs> so you had to create a project for the area. For the area. So the entrepreneurs in the area can work on... The locals can the pick locals, it up. The locals, yes, they can pick it up. And start a business out That's of it. That's so cool. Yeah. So we designed that kind of business and it's uh, we wanted single mothers to mm. actually um, take up this opportunity and be owners of this business. That's so cool. So we've already um, finished the paperwork on wow. that. Uh, so it's very detailed, you know, telling them... Um, this is how much you should charge mm. and how much you should ration everything oh, wow. you know it, it's a very step by step process yeah. so that um, they it's can very understand. literal so they know yeah. the step yeah. and how much wow that's so cool one of the things that I loved about our conversation last time when we caught up was when you were telling me that during that course what was cool was the fact that you met all these people from all over mm. the world from different realms or different like you know specialties can um, you had a doctor you had uh, people who businessmen NGOs, NGOs yeah. you know like yourself and and what was really great was how you guys synergized so much because everybody was there yeah. with the same mindset same heart same thinking because there's not a lot of NGO people who think, entrepreneurially right you yeah know? and i think this is where you found your tribe yeah. so to speak because you said you were so happy everyone was like your best friend everyone was like family to you right yeah oh, we, we all click together yeah. until today like uh, the that whatsapp so never great. stops wow like people keep on sharing yeah. like what they do yeah. you know it's so you interesting. just feed off each other's energy and just grow and grow, yeah right? wow. so that's fantastic the very moment that i stepped into the classrooms uh-huh. was like people doing their introduction and wow. you will be amazed like Wow, what you've done this? I've only done this. Like, <laughs> and you were like, "Oh, it's yeah, like it I so feel small. so small." <laughs> <laughs> like, but they're amazing people. Like, oh. um, you never thought like people around the world actually are doing great things, yeah. right? Like, you know, so wherever they are. So when you come are. there and then you exchange ideas, they teach you about leadership, mm-hmm. negotiation, and then they teach you about marketing. You know <laughs> what works, so what cool. doesn't. So yeah. people tell like what they did 
you know, in their marketing days, mm. um, for their NGOs and everything, what works, what doesn't, and you know, you can pick it up and then bring yes. it back. Yes. You know, all those things. So it's kind of a amazing course. Yeah. What amazes me about you is the fact that whatever you do, you always try to link it back to community. Mm. Why is community work or contribution so important to you? Was there a time in your life where it was such a big moment for you that, you know, this is why I have to give back to the community? Basically, during our research days, like, we were visiting 100 families, so 100 different characteristics. Back during your degree, right? In back UBD. during my degree mm-hmm. years. Your research in poverty. Poverty. Mm-hmm. So we saw a kid mm-hmm. uh, who was like playing under the, his house mm-hmm. without any toys, like mm-hmm. just playing with grass, you know, those kind of things. And then mm-hmm. when we went into their home, there's literally nothing. Oh. There's just probably a piece of mattress. So, And then we're asking them questions, you know, they're very cooperative, you yeah. know, but we're not giving them anything back. Yeah. They're just so warm, they're so they welcome us yeah. and you know they just they entertain you with whatever you ask like even though it's very sensitive questions mm-hmm. they're not obligated to do so but they still respond to you wow. so when all those things happen at the end of the day you go back to your house on a comfortable bed and they still live how, how when you last live, met yeah. them and it's gonna probably happen for the rest of their lives mm. so why not you know we know the causes what made them like that and what can potentially help them if you know already the causes act on it so don't don't just wait you mm-hmm. know because if so you that wait, was your turning point right that during that research point. yeah so wow it was it was quite a personal experience mm. so to say like it's so difficult to tell it in a story mm. but you actually feel it when you know you visit all these you families. You feel it in your heart that that was the right thing to do, yeah. like to do something about it. You can't, because you were telling me. I remember you said, you know, how can you just report it and then that's it? Yeah, that's it. Case closed. You know, you do nothing. What's the research yeah, for? Yeah, what's the research for? It. Exactly. So that was really amazing when you told me that story. So we know that community work is so important to you, right? And I know that with this masters and the experience you've had. I am sure you're going to do amazing things. You're like the ideas man. Like to me, I know you as the guy who can come up with these crazy but amazing ideas to help people because you also did the social kitchen and many other projects where you help try and make incomes for underprivileged families sustainable. I know from the grapevine <laughs> that you have a special project coming up. So exciting. Would you mind telling us a little bit about this project? Yeah, very much. I think it all builds up from my MSc as mm. well. Like, it's part of my dissertation. So again, why put it on a piece of paper and why yes. not act on it? So it's a new concept. It's called the social store. So we found out that there's a lot of products in the supermarkets that is being returned back to suppliers. And these suppliers don't know what to do with it. And you can imagine it's in the volume mm. that goes to waste oh, wow. because suppliers are just suppliers they don't have an avenue for them to sell because mm. they don't function as a supermarket so mm. they need to find buyers where are they return because supermarkets will always order things in fixed batches and if it's time to send new batches and then the 
the old the stock. old ones the old stocks is still there so they will just send it back to suppliers oh, wow. and then replace it with the new shelf life and they're not so. expired or anything right no they're they not just expired. happen to be yeah. an older batch yeah oh, wow. so again when we do our research as well where, when we meet a lot of these underprivileged families their problem is they don't have money to buy food mm-hmm. so i would say that probably there's mismanagement of how they um, handle their income mm-hmm. and it has gone to that way mm-hmm. so we have to do some sort of intervention at this stage yeah. so this is where the idea of social store comes in where we match these two problems and then it becomes a solution, solution yeah. so the problem of overstock products yeah and then the problem of them not having enough money but, for food, right? Yeah, for food. Wow. But now there's like I Combine can offer one you. With one. Yeah, I can offer you a cheaper, um, rela- wow. relatively cheaper. Yeah. Food, mm-hmm. that you can actually like provide for your family, mm-hmm. and it's still in good condition. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And we're excited to do this. So in a way, uh, we wanna issue. We wanna help them to save as well. Yeah. So we created this uh, program called the Social Store Cash Card. Wow. So this cash card. What it will do is voluntarily, you as a welfare recipient, you mm-hmm. can portion an amount mm-hmm. uh, to this card as a cash value. Mm-hmm. And For the but store. you have to commit to your duration of your uh, welfare, which mm-hmm. is um, usually one year. Mm-hmm. So probably if you say, probably you receive about 300 a month and you want to portion out $50. Mm-hmm. So $50 every month, uh, it, it's a form of helping them to save yeah. for food. Yeah. And that's the main purpose. And only if you have this uh, social store cash card, mm-hmm. you're able to shop at this uh, social, social store, store that you can get discount on the food. Mm. So it's like providing them an alternative wow. avenue for... Yeah. You to know? buy their supplies. Yeah. And we're, we're looking at the population of welfare recipient. I'm definitely sure that, you know, overstock items is just a tiny bit of it. So right now, what we're trying to do is we're trying to bring in real goods and we'll offer them the very Normal basic products, necessity yeah. that we will already mm-hmm. like bundle things together. Wow, so that's it, good. Yeah. For example, like um, this is a week's product. Mm-hmm. So like a food that Like can, a week's supply of food. Week, yeah. That will uh, sustain so that them. it will also teach you on, okay, I need this amount of money to survive mm-hmm. for this amount of uh, week. Yeah. So it slowly again it's about mindset. Mindset, yeah. yeah changing mindset. About saving. You have to be creative. Yeah. You cannot just That's tell so them to save money, right? Yeah. Because these people um will They don't have not, much. Yeah. Right. You know. First they don't have much yeah. and the saving is for what then? Yeah, exactly. So because they need to um feed their families yeah. and so forth. So what is a priority is for the families to have enough food. Mm-hmm. Um to live by the day so we tried to create this um, social store so we're excited to do it I'm so excited um, so, yeah it sounds like such an amazing project I'm so excited to see it launch I can't wait now finally what would you like to say to the young people who are out there and want to start their career in social enterprising or even an NGO first advice is to know what you really want to do mm-hmm. um, I think it's an easy advice but it's so difficult for you to really know what you want to do pinpoint right yeah for me um it just don't happen overnight that i want to do things that is community related Mm -hmm. or those things it was built upon like my story from the research Mm -hmm. and you 
you develop that kind yeah. of interest and um, if you are open to any form of challenges that's good mm-hmm. um, because there's bound to be a lot of challenges mm-hmm. ahead and perseverance yeah. I think that's key as well yes. because from the challenges you can just easily give up yeah. but if you persevere I think you will go through all the way mm-hmm. and not give up and creativity mm-hmm. I think so just don't constrain your mind within the four walls but yeah think outside the box think outside the box <laughs> like even the craziest idea will be an idea you love that right I like crazy <laughs> that's ideas that's what I you mean, say to your team right it's yeah. like give me the crazy ideas <laughs> we're just done with like playing safe yeah, yeah it's playing boring. safe yeah. is boring yeah. plus it probably didn't it wouldn't bring a lot of impact mm. um, compared to if you have a crazy idea mm. I mean well calculated risk yeah so there's always that's the hard bit that's the hard bit yeah, but the calculated risk that's How where you know? your mentor comes in oh, like with experience with experience yes. they will actually know I don't just um, run ideas just like that um, overnight <laughs> so sometimes it takes years yeah to actually to develop them develop them mm-hmm Thank you so much Anwar for coming to our show. It's been such a pleasure to talk to you as usual. Pleasure as well. <laughs> One last thing, if they want to find out more about your work, where can they go? So they can go to the Scott Brunei Instagram. So yeah. it's um, Scott underscore Brunei. Mm-hmm. So you can see a lot of our works um, there. Thank you so much. We're looking forward to seeing your amazing project, you know, in the very near future, right? Hopefully. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm really excited, so thank you. Thank you.